This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destination Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for reliability, affordability, and transparency. They not only assist their clients with the interpretation of their research results, but they also help with architecture and execution of strategy based on that research. And during the COVID-19 crisis, Destination Analysts have been producing weekly consumer trend insights. You can download the latest at destinationanalysts.com. And now on to our show. Our guest today is our friend John Schmieder, founder and CEO of the Huddle Up Group. John has over 20 years of direct experience in the sports tourism industry, having held senior leadership roles with three different sports commissions, Phoenix, Tulsa, and Denver. He brings a wealth of experience in sports tourism and economic development, having also served in lead staff positions for the Senior Olympic Games and Pop Warner football and cheerleading. John twice served as the chairman of the National Association of Sports Commissions, now known as Sports ETA, and was on the organization's executive committee for six years. While he served as the president of the Phoenix Regional Sports Commission, the NASC chose the organization as their 2012 Large Market Sports Commission of the Year. John was also named the 2012 CEO of the Year by the Phoenix chapter of the Organization of Nonprofit Executives. In 2016, Connect Sports honored John as an industry game changer. He holds a bachelor's degree in marketing from the University of Arizona. He also holds a master's degree in higher education leadership from Northern Arizona University. John Schmieder, welcome to DMOU. Thanks for having me, Bill. Great to be here. Oh, absolutely. It's always a great uh, opportunity for the two of us to talk smart about our uh, respective industries and our joint industry, if you will. And congratulations on nearly a decade, can you believe it, of the Huddle Up Group. It's unbelievable. I, I remember we launched it in... in uh in my PJs in our kitchen with uh, a board of my wife and our dog and our cat. That's great. <laughs> well, we've had the honor of working with you on several projects around the nation. I always learn some fascinating nuggets from you every time we do. And we love your weekly email insights. So before we get to your three questions and your bonus round, tell us how your sports commission clients are faring during COVID. For those that don't know us, we, about 85% of our work is strategic planning. Similar to you, we, we consider uh, DMO pros our, our brothers in crime on, on the DMO side, whereas we're focused on the sports market. As you know, we're set up very similarly to you and your team with Terry. And about 85% of what we do is strategic planning for either sports commissions or CVB's DMOs and their sports departments. I think we're like a lot of, of the markets that are out there. I mean, everybody's trying to battle for you know declining resources, especially if you're in a a funding model of, of hot tax and, and those types of things. But a lot of our clients are, are doubling down on sports, given that uh, the sports market's already turning back. We're starting to host events again. A lot of the individuals, especially the outdoor sports, you know, golf and uh, some of those have, have already really hit their stride and are back in play. Uh, they may not have any fans, but the, the championships are transacting in some of those sports, which is good. And so I think a lot of the, the key leaders that make decisions on how, you know, especially your DMO presidents, if you will, the folks that you deal with, they realize that sports before COVID was was a big part of their business model. And they're doubling down on it, making sure that those people stay in place and that they have the resources, whatever resources they can give them 
to continue to try and transact in the sports market. Whereas the, you know, a lot of the other markets meetings and, and leisure travel and bus and some of those others are largely shut down. So I think as good as we can do, our sports people are doing pretty well in, in most cases. That's good to hear. So we want to get to your development of what is an industry first, the sports tourism index. But before we do, let's start at the 30,000 foot level and set the stage. Back in the 90s, when sports started to become a market that DMOs began to pick up on, many viewed tournaments as conventions in shorts, sneakers, and Speedos. And nothing could have been further from the truth, as we all learned. So share with us what destinations must understand before they merely follow the leader and attempt to emulate other DMOs and attempt to enter this market. Yeah, I would say the ones that are that are the most successful that we see out there that have sustained themselves over time, and, and this applies to all size markets. This is not, you know, we've worked with everybody from Olympic bids in Detroit uh, that host Final Fours and Super Bowls all the way down to, you know, communities of less than 7,000 people. And so sports tourism is a broad brush to the tourism industry and, and can be a, you know, these things that I'm going to say can be applied to any of those places. The folks that really understand what the event owner is going through and putting on and producing their events and really support that effort, mostly outside the lines, if you will, that we always say folks that wear backpacks. So mm-hmm. the communities that are really, really playing at a high level and attracting events and retaining those events are the entrepreneurial ones that understand they've got a, it's not just about heads and beds and a, and a, a hotel contract, you know, and when we sign the deal in sports, that's just the beginning because we have to actually then go out and produce an event. And so if you're a CVB or a sports commission or, or whatever you are, a city government entity, a county entity, it doesn't really matter. The, the skills you really need to do is beyond just marketing the destination and whatever facilities and assets you do have it's really then holding hands with that event partner and helping them produce. And that can take a bunch of different pathways. That can be managing a volunteer pool for a marathon. That can be, you know, helping with PR and social media and event results during the event. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go into that. The top ones though are really good at it. And they, they realize that when they land the event and even sign the hotel contracts, that they're, they're just getting started. And the event isn't over until the last pitch is thrown, the last golf ball is holed out, the last basket is made, and then there's a post-con and then we start all over. So I would say the ones that are really into servicing that client from an operational standpoint, not just like dropping meeting guides, you know, or, or uh, visitor guides on them when they arrive, that's not servicing a sports event at all. And, and quite frankly, the, the sport event operators see right through that. So the ones that have sustained success are the ones that really know how to operate events and support their, their clients when they come to town. And that's really, I think, what we learned back in the 90s and into the aughts was that you really, as much as I think the knee-jerk reaction is, here's a new market, let's take one of our convention salespeople and move them over and have them attack this market, is you're right. The sports owner, the rights owner, sees right through the fact that this person has no idea of what it takes to run an event because you may really know how to run conventions and meetings. But once you get out into a sports arena, that is, I mean, all the rules are different, right? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Having done it myself, you know, I, I came from the, you know, the athletic coach, athlete background before I even got into event organizing and then sports commissions. But it's, it's far easier to take somebody with, with a sports background 
and teach them the the tourism elements of the event and the hotel blocks and attrition and and all that than it is to go the other way. Interesting. It's really hard to take a basically a convention salesperson, your example, or a Smurf person, and say you're my sports person, and they will see right through that. And and we have clients literally. We have we have a it's one of our most popular of our presentations. You know, we have five or six like you do, Bill. You know, you have five or six topics that are really popular at the regional or state, you know, governor's conferences and those things. Our most popular one is worst practices of sports tourism. <laughs> and uh, we even did yeah. it in STS one year. And uh, I think I scared about all 300 of the, of the DMOs, CVB, you know, presidents that were in there. Now, one of them is that is that you're taking a person who has no sports background at all. And you're basically adding sports to their business card and you're using sports sales as a term. The, the event people, when they see that, they know that that person's focused on heads and beds and probably nothing else. And again, in, in our world, it's become so hyper-competitive. Uh, when I started into the sports commission world in the late 90s, there were only a handful of people of destinations that were playing in that space, like less than 100. And now sports ETA's membership in that space is over 550. Yeah, And that's because these, these smaller mid-markets have all come to the table and saying, hey, we can play and get our piece of this pie too. Wow. But the ones that are having success when they do join are not the ones that are putting sales out front and going to our, you know, conventions and, and meeting rights holders and ask their first question is, well, how many room nights is your event? Now that rights holder who's sitting across the table at that speed dating session, when those happen at our shows now has the ability to say, you know what? I used to only have a hundred options. So I might be stuck with this particular one for now, but now I have over 500. Right. And if you don't answer my questions right, and you're only worried about room nights and not that backpack operational component, I've got 500 other options I can go talk to. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to move on. So uh, move on to the ones that do understand it. Not to paint a negative picture or not to push those destinations that aren't going to take this seriously away, but really, can you compete if you don't have the mindset, like you said, the backpack mindset of, of being there from the very first moment to make sure that your event is going to come off flawlessly to being with you until, as you said, you know, that last dumpster is, is taken care of. Yeah. Our, our experience is, can you compete? Yeah. Will you optimize that? Probably not. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the chances are that if you, if you don't want to play to that depth, if you will, even if you're a major market, you're going to end up being the, the type of market that's just out there buying events. And if you're going to play it that way, you can, if, if you're honest with the rights holders about that and saying, look, I'm going to write you a check, but you're going to turnkey the whole thing. I'm not really going to help you much. There are markets that do that and, and that drive a significant amount of room nights doing that. I think the better play is to do the, the former, is to wear the backpacks and, and really service and support the event. And that's a, that's a retention tool too, because there are a lot, of, a lot of event rights holders, you could give them as much money as you want. They need your help on the ground and you can't buy your way out of that. So when they come across markets that do it that way, they got to take a hard pass and say, man, I really need the backpack. I need the volunteer pool. You know, I need your local media to get out behind it. I can't go do that myself. So we would say try and do the, the heavy support level thing. And, and from a retention standpoint, our experience too is yeah. the destinations that do play it that way, like you said, and, and the final dumpster and the final bucket and all those things. I mean, their retention rates are like 80, 90% with their clients. So I would rather go to these business development or trade shows if I'm a sports commission or a CVB and be looking for two or three dance partners every year yeah. because I've already renewed 93%, <laughs> you know, then starting over every single year and, and ha having to book a whole new book of business every year because I didn't really support them enough to come back. 
So I know our format is three questions in a bonus round, but I got to do a follow-up just because I have to. (laughs) You mentioned buying the business and it's one of those things that I know has made so many of us so crazy over the years is that, you know, there are those destinations that are for whatever reason in the position of saying, look, maybe we can't compete with destination X, Y, and Z, but we're going to write a big check. Where do you see that going in a post-COVID world where resources for all of us are going to be reduced? Is this the moment in time we finally get away from buying business? I think it's going to have to, to a certain extent. And a couple factors there, the COVID one, of course. And I think the rights holders too, at least in our space, I can't speak to the other markets, but the rights holders are used to getting you know, bid fees and uh, grants and venues paid for and a lot of these other things, a lot of those are going to be off the table. Yeah. And so they're, as an event organizer, they're going to have to sharpen their pencils and realize that the big checks they were getting might be half of that. They might be zero. And if I want to go back to that cool destination that I liked last go around, that cool destination might not have the ability to do what they did before. So I think in our world, the whole market on both sides is changing. The rights holder side who are used to getting financial support, and again, it could be through cash or free venues or those types of things, incentives. And the other side too is as a destination, I don't have as much to spread around, if any. One thing I'll tell you the two that I think impacts us beyond the COVID environment we live in, and something I'm really, I really think is cool, is that if you look around the country and, and the number of fo- folks that, as I mentioned earlier, have started to invest in sports tourism in the last 20 years, if you look at that and take a hard look, and you, you know, you deal with a lot of the CEOs at these destination organizations, right? right? If you look at the makeup of those people, when I started in the 90s, a lot of those people were lifetime tourism people, former hoteliers, convention center folks that are sitting in the C-level chair. You look around now and a lot of them are sports people, a growing number. Yeah. Because I think the boards of these organizations are realizing where their bread is buttered and it's sports. And so when you look at our friend Ray Hoyt in Tulsa, sports background, Kendra Fry in, in College Station, sports background. You look at Dave Harrell mm-hmm. in Quad Cities, sports background. Alana Cooper in Monroe, sports right. background. You know, And a lot of the folks I used to sell against when I was doing it on that side are now CVB presidents. I think it's super cool because now our sports people are getting a bigger voice. But I think given what's happening now and that most of the folks that at least we're working with are leaning into the sports market given the, the conditions we're under with COVID, I think it's going to grow. I think if we look back to this, this podcast in five years, I would bet we have another couple dozen DMO presidents that came up the sports yeah. side, is my All guess. Right. So question two, as this sector is maturing in front of our very eyes, the Huddle Up group saw an opportunity and you've created something called the Sports Tourism Index, which is very cool. Tell us about this breakthrough tool. Yeah, appreciate that. We benchmark everything. We're like you. We're just anal about that. And we just want to know. We want to take strip the emotion out of uh, a lot of what we do. At the same time, about two years ago, both our Sports uh, Commission Association and DI both started a similar path conversation about how do we measure success other than room nights and economic impact and you know the destination stories and those types of things. How do we message the impact the, the Bureau or the Sports Commission is making without just pointing to that. Cause like our community leaders can't touch that stuff, right? They don't understand it. And so how do we message around something different? And so we set out to create a scoring tool and we named it the sports tourism index for our market that literally measures a destination 
from a sports tourism perspective at any one point in time. And we leaned on our rights holder friends. So we leaned on the NCAA and, and all, a lot of governing bodies in the Olympic movement and those people to ask the question, if you're going to buy, I live in Phoenix, as you know, Bill. So if you're going to buy Phoenix over Madison, where you live, why would you buy Madison first? Or why would you buy Phoenix first? What's most important to you as the client? And they told us very succinctly, there are four big buckets and facilities are king. That's one. The organization we're working with, whether it's a sports commissioner, CVB, do they do the backpack thing um, or are they just there for financial support or neither? Uh, the destination itself, can we get there? Is it, does it have the attractions the families want for the week they're going to be in town for the tournament? And then the overall event background of that destination, that organization, do they have the experience? Can they put on the type of event I'm looking to put on? We, again, we stripped all the emotions out of it. We used the rights holders to help us build a scoring system that build the index. And we put it out in the marketplace two years ago uh, for free. Now we've got about 100 cities that actively use it today. Again, we use it to measure in our strategic planning process. The first thing we do is we make them go through the index and we, they get their score in all the different areas. And then we can actually rank and rate them against their peers uh, and show them where they stand. Again, with no subjectivity to it at all. It's all numerical. It's not the John Schmieder opinion on a certain destination. The scoring system was built by the people that are either going to buy their destination or not. And so we built it to do the scoreboard thing and also to do ranking and rating and also to, for us to take a snapshot when we first start a strategic planning process. And then if we come back six months or a year from now and they start implementing the recommendations, we can do it again and we can see, okay, has your score changed? Has your ranking and rating with your comp set changed? And so we built it for that. And also it differentiates us from, from the other folks that are in our space uh, to a certain degree. What we didn't expect it to do some of the smarter people have used it to actually as an advocacy tool. Hmm, interesting. So they've taken it and the early adopters, a couple of them in, in particular, I'm thinking of, they went out and they said, Hey, we think our facilities are great, but the tool says they're, they're below where we think they are. And there's thousands of facilities in the tool now. And so they can literally say, Hey, we think our pools are awesome, but we really need to reinvest in them because our neighbors actually have better pools than we have. And so we need new scoreboards, new timing systems. We need to redo the bleachers pave the parking lot, whatever that may be. I mean, it gets really granular. And so they've used it to advocate for more staffing, more marketing money, more uh, facility investment, uh, which is really cool. We didn't build it with any intention of, of using it for that. So the index is a great tool for destinations and communities to assess themselves against who they believe their competitive set is. Is that index also available to rights holders? Do, can they use the tool as a way to say, I want this type of a destination. You have hundreds in the index and they can say, I want, you know, these 10. And that's where I'm going to focus. Do they have the same view into the database as destination marketing organizations and sports commissions do? The index was built for the destination side to measure. Okay. But the, the new tool that we're rolling out actually allows the rights holders some insights. So, gotcha. so no, no today, but yes, very soon. Okay. So that get perfectly teases up then for the third question. And that is in the immortal words of Steve Jobs, there's one more thing. So you've got a new tool that you're about to roll out that is, I mean, honestly, it sounds amazing. So share with us this thing called Scout. Yeah, so, so Scout is a matchmaking tool that matches up event owners and destinations, and it does it both ways. So the destinations can search for the event rights holders on numerous different variables, and the rights holders can actually find the cities as well. So if they want to locate a certain uh, type of venue in a certain geography in a certain time of year, they can do that. 
the cool thing about it, it's not just a, a business development matchmaking tool. Scout actually leans up on all the data that's in the index. We didn't want to lose all of that. We didn't want to lose the thousand plus venues and the hundred plus destinations. And, and that's growing every day. We want to really use the data again. And more, as my team likes to say, we don't want to just scattershot, look for business. We want, we want to hunt with a rifle with a scope on it both ways. Because right now, the way our environment works, if you either already have been around a long time like we have, and you got gray hairs and you know you have a lot of relationships, yeah. if you don't have that, you really are, are left up to doing the speed dating thing and the numerous trade shows in our space. And the cost of those, you know, our clients are getting loud. They're like, the cost of those is going up. The, the ROI on those, they don't feel is, is in line with what they're paying these days. They literally said, if you can make a better mousetrap and put it out there, let's see it. So I went to my team in January pre-COVID and said, our clients are asking for a different way to do business. Can we build a tool that leans up on the index and all the data that's in it that helps them matchmake in a better way than what's out there, or at least in a way they can supplement the traditional trade shows and all that. So we set out to do that in January. Our goal was to have it done by the end of the year. We're almost done. We're beta testing it now. It's going to have a thousand events in it by the end of the year. Right now it's about 500, which is, I think, the biggest database in the market today. We've got a bunch of cities already in there beta testing it. And it's, it, it is super cool. I'm jazzed about it. And again, we don't, the human element is big in our industry, in the meetings industry and sports too. And we're not trying to replace that. But given what's happened now in our environment, as I mentioned earlier, sports is a big percentage of the business and it's already bouncing back for most of the destination you know, marketing organizations that are out there. And given that, some of our clients have been told they're not allowed to travel in 2021 already. So if, if sports is 50 to 60% of their business and they can't go do the traditional thing, how are they going to drive business if they don't have a bunch of relationships? And so at the end of the day, they need a different tool to do that. And that's what Scout does through the index. It's going to provide a 365-day a year business development opportunity for those destinations that want to sign up and use it. So one of the downsides, obviously, of an audio podcast is we can't show them what Scout looks like and what it's capable of. Clearly, those who are interested can you know, can contact you for a webinar walkthrough. But take us through what Scout means to a DMO. So here I am. Okay, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. And I want to start to bid on a number of different events. And I'm not able to travel to the traditional trade shows where I was doing that kind of business in the past. Walk us through how Scout works. So we use Madison. So Jamie Patrick's your guy, right? I mean, he's your sports right. guy yep. at, this, at the Madison Area Sports Commission. So if Jamie wanted to use Scout, uh, he would buy the license for it. For It's an annual license. So he would, he would sign up for that. And he could literally go in. There's two different portals for the destination. Um, you can go in. There's one I call paint by numbers. It's kind of like a dating site. It's like eHarmony. You plug in your venues in the index and it already knows what those are because you've entered all your venue information in the index side. Right. And then you can literally say, Jamie can go say, hey, I want to search for any events that work for the football stadium at the university. And every event that's in the database that we have in there, again, we're approaching 500 and we're going to have a thousand there by the end of the year. Any of those events that the system will then match make and just spit them all out. And it'll show you through the matchmaking tool, all the events that fit the facility at, at UW-Madison. Uh, and so then Jamie can pick and choose through those if he wants. Now, the more fun side of the tool I like, the other portal actually is, is that rifle with the scope on it. It's really hunting 
very narrowly and it has a bunch of, of searchable areas, a bunch of querying uh, data. So you can search by venue type, you can search by region, you can search by date yeah. uh, of when those events are available. You can search by, is the bid process open or closed? Literally, you can search by room nights for those of us that are really focused on that. There's a 10 or 12 different queries. And even within the venue ones, if I put in arena or stadium or flat field complex, whoever it may be, uh, even BMX tracks, there's a bunch of different other very uh, searchable entities that come in related to that type of a venue underneath it. So if I'm Jamie and I'm looking for a soccer event, because my parks guy says I'm not, uh, he's got availability in Labor Day of 2022. Jamie can go flat field 2022 and hit send, and it spits out every event that's active that matches. Wow. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> and even short-term in, as, as you and I were talking before this call, you know, you've got a, a, let's say, a bowling center, and all of a sudden, three months out, the event cancels. Yeah. And so you've got, to, you've got to fill that weekend or that month. And so this is a tool that allows you, by searching by date, to say, okay, what else is out there that maybe is looking for a new home because something went wrong or vice versa, you know, the bowling center they were going to burned down. You've got, you've got an event that needs a home. That's funny. Uh, I know. Cause we talked about that. Cause that really happened to us in senior Olympics in 97. Um, but really? they, I'll, I'll give you two examples. We have one right now. So we have a client destination who's building a aquatics facility and it's not going to be open until 2022. They're basically digging the hole right now, they can actually go in there now and hit pool in 2022 and all the events that match will come out and then they can contact that event rights holder and the event information is already in there. So they can, they can literally qualify that event. Then they can reach out to the event manager and say, Hey, did you know we're opening a new complex, a new aquatic complex? We saw you have an event open. We'd love to bid on that because I got to pre-sell the facility. I can't have the facility open with no event scheduled. So you can use it that way and get out ahead of it. And then we have one that's happening right now. We have a client who's in Hurricane Alley, unfortunately. One of their big soccer events, the facility's compromised. And that rights holder can use the rights holder portal side of the, of the scout tool to actually find an alternative facility since they're not going to be able to use that one come President's Day. So they can literally say, hey, I, I'm gonna, I want to keep it in that state because the state didn't do anything wrong. Right. Uh, the state right. soccer association there wasn't their fault the hurricanes hit. And so they can literally say, I want to keep it in that state. So they get to host the event somewhere else. Or if that doesn't work, um, I can query, you know, the entire region, like the Southeast in that case, and, and say, here are all the facilities that have, let's say, eight fields or more or 12 fields or more. Again, the system, you can, you can search by all of those things. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty here is that it goes both ways, that rights holders have the ability to use the tool as a way to, you know, find venues and destinations just as much as on our side of the equation, we can go out and find the rights holders that have events that are perfectly matched for our destinations. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I, you know, we can't do it justice, uh, as I said, on an audio podcast, but I encourage people to uh, go to the huddleupgroup.com, learn more about it. And honestly, we have a special offer for listeners of DMOU. If you sign up for Scout and use the promo code DMOU, you can score 10% off your first year. And thank you for that, John. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you can get the best information, the most current at www.sportstourismindex.com. And it talks all about the index, uh, all about Scout. And then there's the sign up page there to get more information for us to do a, 
a quick screen share like we did with you, Bill. Appreciate your feedback on it. It's good stuff. We're trying to improve it even before we launch it here in the next month or so. Any feedback people give us, if we can implement it, we'll put it in. We've got some really big stuff for version like 2.0 and 3.0 already that are probably beyond our capacity for the for this launch. We're going to turn the light switch on in January. So we're really excited. And thanks for the opportunity to come chat with you today. Always a pleasure, Bill. I got to tell you, we get a lot of these presentations from people who think they've got the next best mousetrap. And I haven't been excited like this in years. I think what you've done first with the index, which I thought was masterful, but then being able to take the index and then give it some wings and make it work from both sides, as I said, of the of the equation from rights holders to DMOs and sports commissions. I think this is going to be a game changer. And we're just excited to be able to uh, to get the word out to hopefully encourage people to check it out. Because I think that there's something here, man. You've you've created a a, a beast. You really have. Uh, I appreciate that. I hope we can manage it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. It's on to the bonus round. You have a boatload of stories that I love to hear. I even love hearing them for the fourth and fifth time when we're with friends that maybe didn't hear it the first time. And I have two favorites, but one of them, I think, goes to what we talked about in your very first question about how different sports is from convention sales. Mm. So tell us about the site inspection you were doing with the NCAA Women's Final Four. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, So I'll give you the short version. So we were, uh, I was, I was running the Denver sports commission and and one of the big events we wanted to host was women's final four. And so, you know, when you make it through the the paperwork process, then you have to have your site visit. Right. And so they bring the committee, I think 10 or 12 athletic director level, you know, high level leaders in the, in the women's basketball movement uh, and the NCAA staff. And uh, so you have to do the convention center for the, you know, they do a big coaches convention with the games. You have to do the arena for the games. But the, the most, right. most intriguing part was the hotel tours. And the guy at the time who's in charge of that has become a great friend of the program. It's Scotty Rogers. The guy's awesome. Scotty works for the Cotton Bowl now in Dallas, uh, Arlington. But Scotty was basically, if you if you wanted to get through the process, you had to get Scotty's sign-off on the team hotels. And so you have to have a different hotel for every team. In our case, you know, we, we were kind of a little bit strapped in Denver, even though it was a great, great town. And, you know, our offering for what he wanted particularly was a little challenging. And, and here's why. So we're on the site visit and every time we go in a room, so every hotel, we're looking at, you know, a double and a, and a king and a suite, just like any typical, you know, tour. And Scotty keeps ducking in the bathroom, like right off the bat. And, and I'm sure I've become his friend at this point and I'm starting to get worried about him. I really think something wrong. So after like the third hotel of watching this, I pull him outside in the hallway. I go, Scotty, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And I go, well, you keep ducking in the bathroom. I thought you were sick or something. And he's like, no, man, I'm good. I'm good. And I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? He goes, I'm looking for two things. <laughs> I go, in the bathroom? He goes, yeah, two things that the team hotels have to have. And actually, you've seen me do this, Bill. I use this as a kind of a quiz. Like, what are those things when I'm speaking, you know, at a tourism conference? What do you think Scotty was looking for? And some people get them. Some Very rarely do they get them both. Right. But they're looking for tall shower heads because if you've seen you've seen Tennessee or Yukon women play, you know their point guards taller than me. I'm six foot tall, and you know they need tall shower heads, right? right? And then the other one's one nobody ever gets. The other one is two sinks. Yeah, as you know, Bill, I was a junior college basketball coach in a prior life, and when we rolled out of the hotel to go to shoot around or go to media day or whatever, my guys just put their sweats on and just rolled out of the door. They never even looked at me. Absolutely right. Yeah, the girls though, they have to get ready at the same time. 
to be, yeah. to get on the bus and to be in the right outfit and to be looking appropriate for media day and shoot around. And they, they have a different prep method and they have to be able to do it at the same time. Two sinks. So they need two sinks. Yeah. And I would I never would have thought of that. And, and honestly, I own it. I should have asked Scotty those questions beforehand because I had to show him like seven hotels because I didn't, I didn't do what we tell our clients to do now to do the prep work. Yeah. Uh, but that's really the backpack, right? The service part is something is asking the right questions on the front end. So I don't have to go. I literally was on the phone with some of my board members who were GMs of hotels saying, Hey, we're coming your way. Do you have this inventory with tall shower heads and two sinks? And like, while we're on the site visit, I should have never had to do that. I just didn't ask the right questions at the time. So Scotty educated me and I love that story. And we landed that event. And then I moved home to Arizona to run the Phoenix sports commission and it's one of my biggest regrets. I never got to see that thing all the way yeah. through. It's a great story. And it, it honestly, it absolutely identifies why this isn't about conventions and shorts, right? It's a whole different skill set. So, John, thanks for all you do for our sector and yours. Remember, 10% off on Scout if you use the promo code DMOU. And tell us where to go, both for the Huddle Up group and, once again, for the Index and Scout. Yeah, the, the best um, Index and Scout information is www.sportstoursofindex.com. And that's that's updated every day. And then there's a sign-up form and learn more about Scout there. And you can use the promo code there. And uh, for our organization, if you're interested in what we do and you want to screen share, my contact info is on there. It's huddleupgroup.com. You can find us really easy right there. And subscribe to the uh, weekly email newsletter as well. I, always good stuff. I hope so. We can always use more readers. We got to catch you. You got more than we have. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a race. It's, but I tell you what, we love getting yours each week and uh, we learn from it every time. So John, again, thanks. It's uh, great to have you on. And uh, hopefully as this new tool, as Scout begins to to blossom, you know, maybe we can have you back in a, in a year or so and talk about uh, that next big step that you're talking about. I'd love to. Anytime, Bill. Thanks for the time. All right. That's great. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to talk about the stories that make their destinations and organizations great. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destination Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering and customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for its reliability, affordability, and transparency. And during COVID, they are producing weekly consumer trend insights. You can download the latest at destinationanalyst.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, our recent position papers on the future of community marketing and board diversity. Also links to past issues of the Z News, our knowledge bank, videos, blogs, biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus links to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White. And this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.